legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heiss, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information, not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. Hey everybody, this is Shelley Sack here, author and director of distillery at Reservoir Distillery in Richmond, Virginia. Poor Dram, settle in. This is the Cask Chasers podcast. All right, hey KS Chases, welcome. It's Bobby again. Just me this time. The rest of the team are out enjoying the summer. They have me in the hot studio by myself. No AC. No one to complain to. No one cares. I'll see if my guest cares. Um, I read her book um, on a flight to and from New Orleans. Um, I don't know if that added something to it. It did make it a little more special. But um, we'll see. We'll talk about that a little bit. If you haven't been to New Orleans, I talk about it a lot because I just went there. And I'm one of those people that, you know, I get into something and then I just want to talk about it until you're nauseated by it. But I have Shelly Sackier here. She is a author of a brilliant book. I would definitely like uh, like you to grab a copy of it. Um, if you find her, make her sign it and make it personal. Um, you can sell it on eBay. I've tried. It does go for a pretty penny, so you can make some money too. Um, she's from Wretched to Wondrous Tales of One Woman's Lifelong Discovery of Whiskey. Make it a double. Um, beautiful Glen Karen on the glass. A little bit of lipstick there to show us that a woman wrote the book. We love our women whiskey folk, and uh, I'm happy to have her on the show so we can geek out, talk whiskey, and everything amazing about it and her journey um i'm gonna shut up for a minute and let her chat and say hello hi shelly how are you hey i am well thank you very much and now very curious as to what you were doing in new orleans eating drinking you know the thing you do there when you're in uh when you're in new orleans no it's a New Orleans is an interesting place. It's sad because of the poverty, Katrina and all of that, um, a lot of homeless, but it's also beautiful in its own right and alive and rich. I'm from the South, so I love Southern hospitality and folk and culture and colors and uh, flavors and everything you get from it. But it was our anniversary. It was my wife and I's 18th anniversary, 18 years married. Yeah. 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 That's, that's astonishing. Yeah. July so- 4th. Oh, wow. How fabulous. I, I I have gone through New Orleans several times, never stopped there to enjoy it. And I have been so longing to eat and drink my way through that fine city. Uh, it's, it's on my bucket list, but I just can't. Every time I plan a trip down there, something catastrophic happens. So I think it yeah. might be me. I might be I might be making that happen. So I'm a little yeah. hesitant to plan another trip. We have some connections because we partnered with Reservoir, with Jay specifically, and we yeah. we created a blend, a, basically a, a um, glorified barrel pick, as it were. Yes. And with our logo yeah. on the front of it, which sold off the shelf pretty quickly. Um, yeah, high rye, which was crazy for us because at the time I wasn't digging on rye too much. But um, 
your uh, reservoir would quickly change my mind on that. So Virginia Rise, I think I'm in love with right now. Uh, reservoir Catoctin, yeah. Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, for me, the rise are the closest things to a scotch-like taste. Mm. So if anybody comes to me, they're like, you know, I'm not very very keen on American whiskeys. Um, I always start them from the from the rye side. It just, it, it has a somewhat, you know, similar palate. But I think, you know, Virginia rye is exceptional in that, well, I think all ryes are exceptional, but Virginia rye is exceptional in that it, it, it tastes very different to Midwestern and Canadian rice. You know, it's sweeter and that surprises people. Um, it still has, you know, all that lovely spice and punch, you know, nice mm-hmm. kick to it and everything, but it just has a slightly rounder character. And, you know, one of the things about Reservoir that I absolutely adore is the fact that we are we are firm believers in the power of prominence, right? Like, like flavor, terroir is flavor, like the, the wine world and whatnot. The same thing um, goes for all of our ingredients. And so we try very, very hard to uh, utilize as many Virginia ingredients as possible, because in the end, I think our whiskeys are supposed to answer the question, what does Virginia taste like? Yeah. And you know, so we're doing that with our with our grains, with our corn, our wheat, our rye, and all those grains come from spitting distance from our from our distillery, like 45 miles away. Uh, we have some all, all these farmers that we work with and have really great relationships with. And then, you know, we we rely upon uh, we're starting this these new projects, which are so so exciting. But a couple of years, we've had trees cut down in Virginia and we took them to our, our stave mill and then had our coopers make them into barrels. So again, it's all just trying to really just suck out the juice of Virginia. Uh, and and I, I like that. I think that every distillery uh, could be capitalizing this in order to make a distinction yeah. uh, to themselves. Because yeah. I mean, every distillery is different and they deserve to have that kind of illumination just to say we're, we aren't like anybody else and here's why. You're like a poet. I, 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 I love it already. Yeah. And I got it from your book. But, you know, you and again, I've read the book. I'm, I'm going to spoil as much as I can for the future reader. Um, but uh, you, you, you kind of remind me of me a little bit where you're the kind of person that when you travel somewhere, you really take it in. And minus because I know you went to the um, whiskey experience. But through the whiskey experience, but minus that, you don't seem to be the type of person that tourists your uh, your visits. You, you you kind of you find the nooks and crannies, and the you know you want to you want to taste and experience the rawness of it. So New Orleans is kind of one of those places you got to shrug off and and push away from the touristy traps to find the goodness that's in the that's really in there. And um, I think that's where you're going to find the cooler stuff and the cooler journeys if you. You got to do some touristy things. Yeah, I mean, come on, you have to. You got to get on the trolley. But uh, other than that, you have to you know, do the Kaylee. You, you got. You have to do the, the poor Kaylee. Yeah. So uh, first thing I do when I go to a new place like island or city, and uh, especially if it is one that is uh, a highly touristy type place, is I get off the tour bus and get on the city bus, and then I go where everybody else who lives there goes and i ask like where is it that you go shopping right where is it that you do your grocery shopping where is it that you get your liquor where is it that you go to just get away from the 
people who are trying to uh, you know, infiltrate your, your beautiful place during the city or during their holidays. And th- to me, that's experiencing the true city. Yeah, It's just, you know, bumping into the locals and not having somebody try to sell you something, but rather just you, you sniffing out, what is it that everybody's doing here? Where are they eating? Where's their pub? Would you say, I mean, I'm just grasping here, but you, you seem like an extrovert. Is that accurate? so far from the truth really really because you because <laughs> yeah. in the book and in and in this conversation and other interviews i've heard you you seem like you're you're never you're not hesitant i mean i i read multiple times you walking into a distillery and the assumption is always i guess you're here you know are you here for uh the tour are you here to work in the gift shop and you're like no i'm here to learn i'm here to be a part of this process which I love, and that's a, that's multiple times through the book. So you seem like the kind of person that kicks in the door and says, I'm here, where's the where's the fun? Where's the action? That's funny. No, I am a total introvert. Don't forget, I'm an author. And so authors, <laughs> authors you know, if we're going to talk about stereotypes, I am the one who created mm-hmm. the definition mm-hmm. of hermit. And, and like everybody knows, my whole family, they're like, no, 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 she hates people. Yeah. I just, there's no no party i want to go to no no social event that's going to perk up my interest but that being said uh my work has since i was like eight years old been all in the entertainment industry and all in you know ambassadorial work and stuff like that so it's weird that such an introvert chooses to find a career path uh, that is going to put oneself in such an uncomfortable position. But one of my heroes is uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, who, yeah. you know, I quote in a book and I, I'm sure I misquote her and I always misquote her just from speaking about her, but it's like every day do something that scares the hell out of you. And I think it's important for people to break out of their comfort zone. And mine is like, really really small right i mean it's just like a cell and and if i could just live in that cell for uh the 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 rest of my life i would be really happy like everybody was saying oh how's the pandemic been been going for you and my answer has has pretty much uniformly been I'm sorry, what? The the what? The pandemic? <laughs> like, it's been so great not having to see people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's it, that's interesting. I, I do understand what you're saying, and I've met a lot of people like that. But you, 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 like you said, you have a whole chapter, you know, around Eleanor and kind of your your the first lady approach to 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 these things and and how you respect that you know do something that scares you, but you do a lot of things that would scare a lot of people. I mean, you, you we, the book starts off with, um, you know, God bless your ex-husband because it seems like he got you into this and you had to get yourself out of it. But uh, you start off, you know, saying whiskey is poison and then fast forward to a woman that said, I, I'm, I refuse to let it to let it take me and own me like that. And then you, you become an author or a respected person in the whiskey industry itself, an educator. Probably you probably know more about whiskey than I, you know, than I could ever learn. Um, so you've definitely baptized yourself in it. And you've done it in a way that shocks people. Like you've literally gone to distilleries and said, show me. And I've been to distilleries, and they don't want to show. And they—it's not that they don't want to share; they're just busy, <laughs> and they don't think yeah. of themselves as teachers. They think of themselves as doers. So you are an introvert with the best extroverted qualities. You may want to think about switching careers and becoming. <laughs> <laughs> 
those extrovert qualities uh, were drilled and trained into me by by a lot of military men uh, as I was growing up. Again, working through the entertainment industry, mm. so you you learn how to. Um, ask the right questions, be a good conversationalist, be a good listener and get what you want, the needed information that you need, right? That, that you're, that you're desperate for. So as far as the, the knocking on doors and, you know, pounding on gates kind of a thing at the distilleries, that is absolutely accurate. Mm. It happened to be at the time that there weren't a whole hell of a lot of distillery tours available, right? It just hadn't captured the, sure. the tourist imagination just yet. And so um, as I was wandering about for, you know, 20 years or so, 25 years now, almost 30, good Lord, um, all these, all this time going back and forth to Scotland, I was smelling it. I was reading it. I was hearing the stories in the pubs. I was drinking this liquid that was embodying the mythology and the folklore and the science and the, you know, keen craftsmanship of this. And all I wanted to know was how in the hell did they get this liquid to taste like what's inside this glass? And I'm mm. very curious, uh, citizen scientist, right? I have no science background, no engineering background, nothing like that. I'm not a yeast biologist. And yet I'm so curious to study yeast or bacteria or still geometry, all that stuff. I didn't know that back then, but I certainly knew that there was something quite mystical about that liquid. And the more that I experienced in these small villages around these distilleries, the more I said, well, I just tasted this in the pub and now I want to go see it. Can I, can I go visit? And they're like, that's, nah, you know, it's closed or it's not open to the public or, you know, it's silent or whatever. And I would just, have my ex-husband drive me there and and pound on doors till I found somebody and be like, could I just, you know, look at the production room floor? And of course the question was always, why? Yeah. <laughs> why would you be interested in this? And and I I just think that my curiosity was the thing that that unlocked those doors that finally moved people to say, oh, this person's interested in my job and actually what I do every day. And whether they found it fascinating or they just found it something to, you know, pay the electricity bills. That that soon became apparent that I was asking the questions that made them feel important and relevant. And that uh, people want to open up and talk about themselves then. And it wasn't like it was a trick, right? I wasn't looking for the secrets behind the distillery door or anything like that to take home and make my own my own hooch. Sure. But um, it, it really was just so I could pair that knowledge with what it was that I was drinking, either the night before or the or the you know soon soon thereafter at the distillery. And it made it a lot more special to me. It just made it, I don't know, it kind of sewed itself to my soul. And I've never had that happen with anything, any food or any drink or any location, but there was something about Scotland that I just couldn't ignore. And uh, I just, you know, decided to follow that path of curiosity. And boy, am I really glad that I did that. Yeah, I want to, I want to get into that because I think we share some experiences there. I want to ask you real quick, have you seen kind of piggybacking off what you just said. Have you seen the show Bear, The Bear on Netflix? I think it's Netflix or Hulu. It, it's a great show. Yeah, so it's an excellent show. I'm giving them a free plug. You're welcome, The Bear. Um, <laughs> so basically, it's about a, a Michelin star high-end chef 
that go his brother passes away in Chicago. Oh, I yeah. I've watched the first episode. It's, I keep forgetting the name of it. Yes, it yeah, looks so fast. It's so good. In so Chicago, yeah. hot dogs and all. Oh he, so God, so he goes good. he goes to this little sandwich shop his brother owned and it's like a hole in the wall. And he's this high-end tweezer using chef, right? But there's this <laughs> moments in there where he's now he's worried about paying the bills and the you know past due notices are piling up and getting the kitchen organized and and making food the way it should be made pleasing the customers i think a peek into that aspect of i've heard so many i'm going somewhere with this i promise remember pure chaos is who i am the uh, what i i've heard so many distillers say you meet them and you're like man you're a rock star you're so awesome and then they go i wish i could just sell this goddamn place because it's killing me and you you realize you realize it's much more than it, it almost makes it a little raw but beautiful to see you know it maybe the still working but there's something romantic about seeing when the steel's broken and he's up there trying to figure out how to tighten something or, or fix something. Or maybe he's like, you know, wrapping copper around and, you know, well, we got to pull out Betsy, the one we used when we first started. And we got, you know, we got to get this run through and, and, you know, all we made on this run is cleaning supplies. Let's see if we can do it again. There's something, <laughs> there's something I appreciate about when it all goes wrong and, and how it can all go so right. And I think that's what I love about whiskey because once it goes into the barrel, you're 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 done. You're, it's Mother Nature time. You know what I mean? And I think that's no, freaking amazing. I I I, I think um, I I agree with you right up to the point where uh, it's all up to Mother Nature because there are well okay actually there are some subtle human influences that mm, we can. Mm. Have in the in the warehouse during maturation right and again totally nerding out about this no topic. i love it i'm doing um you know some experiments <laughs> in our warehouse which drives our uh, our founder dave Cutno absolutely bananas because every time i knock on his door all he sees is like dollar signs because okay. i'm like hey guess what i want to do <laughs> um, so i have to be really careful as to how i spend our distillery dollars sure but, um you know, there are just like, these really really cool experiments that at where you're working with climate change mm. within the warehouse. So everybody's warehouse is different, depends on the setup, you know, is it is it racked or is it um, dunnage style? There's just, you know, there's a lot of configurations that can influence that maturation time. And uh, if you have, uh, say for instance, a warehouse that is really high vaulted right. and whatnot, you have room you can take uh, advantage of some of that climate and lots of distilleries do up in you know uh, kentucky and whatnot they they're running i'm not the first one running these experiments but other people are where they're like oh what what happens on the on the dirt floor on the cement floor whatever it is that your your floor composition is what happens in the middle of the uh of that uh, uh height what happens at the very very top right we're talking about the changes in humidity and barometric mm. pressure and temperature and what's the um the, what, what's the uh, the flow of air you know that's happening around those sure. tasks all those things that you're making a decision on are you putting the the barrel on the bilge are you stacking it you know top to bottom and so although there's a lot to be left up to mother nature right we're, we're really hoping that uh she can take care of some of the stinkers that we put in there and she can give us some of the really great things that are you know uh, being subtracted from that barrel 
there are some things that we can fool around with and we do not happen to have a climate controlled uh, warehouse. Uh, and so, uh, you know, looking at what are the options available to us because of what happens outside, uh, how can that work to our advantage or, you know, are, are we just going to always have this giant question mark of year to year what's what's happening it's just it's really really cool and i want to know more about it no i love it uh, you one of my favorite your your entire book and for anyone that knows and listens i'm not an ass kisser so when i say it it's true because maybe i'm a bully i don't know we'll figure that out that's a different episode but <laughs> i i truly i truly did love your book and one of my favorite of the many chapters because it's an inspiring book too and it's it's relatable it's you can kind of I've been through that. And then it, it gives you present, your past, your present, and then the ability to have a cool future. Because you go from being a novice, a true novice, to a freaking rock star that kills it. And most of us aren't there yet where you are. And it just shows that we can eventually get there. But one of my favorite is um, The Water of the Water of Life. It's such a short clip. It's there, it's not, It's only a couple of pages. But it really breaks down water and how important it is to one of my favorite lines in the entire book is, you know, something along. I should look it up. Something along the lines of ice. If you like ice, um, just remember that freezer burned ice can hurt, you know, can kill the flavor of the whiskey. It's so important and it shows you how important every element of your experience is and you captured it. And that's the whole book. I mean, that really, to me, kind of evolves the whole book is how attention to detail, nerdy in the coolest way possible, and yet poetic you are through your entire journey, which is why I have a freaking podcast is because I believe that. Um, So, no, but thank you for that. I, I want to talk a little bit about something that you and I share um, an experience in, and I think what it's romantic, it's beautiful, and I think it's what makes whiskey so important um, to me anyway, Scotland. I remember my first dram, and, and Dana loved it because she, you know, she hated whiskey, and her first taste of whiskey was scotch, and that was in Ireland, or I mean in Scotland, in this Isle of Skye. I remember being in the Isle of Skye with a friend. It was a beautiful day in the mountains. And I had a a dram of Coila 12. And I'm sipping this. And it's a really basic whiskey. It's actually a blend more than it. I mean, they have their own bottling, but it was designed to be a blending whiskey. Um, Real simple whiskey, light peat, um, surrounded by Scotland's. If you haven't been to Scotland, it's Narnia. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole different world. You believe in fairies. You're like, they have to exist. And uh, you know what I mean, right? And mm-hmm. so that was my first very romantic, very you know, in, in, artistic. And, and you, you're you know, you're you're you come from a singing background, so art I'm sure is important to you. It was so inspiring and made me want to love it, fall in love with it. And then I read your book, and you go from whiskey's trash to. The I, you know, you're in the Highlands drinking whiskey, the peat, the smoke, and I'm sitting here thinking, holy shit, she ripped a page out of my book, but she was able to write it because you know she obviously did good in English and um, could do so, and I can't. But um, so I I just want to say that that was beautiful to me, and I was hoping you could talk about in the deepest, richest way. I mean, really put some fondant on this cake and make it look beautiful. What was that experience in Scotland, and kind of 
did that make you who you are in the world of whiskey today? Do you think that's your muse, I guess? Is that fair? No, it's accurate. That's wholly accurate. Um, I think just to touch on one very important subject, Bobby, is that um, you you nailed it. You, when As you I do. Book, <laughs> when, when one writes a book, it is not about yourself. You are writing the story that is supposed to transcend mm. the personal and uh, and create a universal experience, right? And that's the only way that we can really truly communicate and, and connect with other human mm. beings is if we, we have that sort of shared uh, experience, shared mindset, shared dialogue, uh, you know, the Venn diagram of yeah. experiences that it has to have a big, big middle to it. And um, that crossover section. So when I think about writing anything, and I am just always, always writing, I'm thinking about not, not necessarily from the perspective of um, oh, what are my details, but rather what are our details? What are the things that are important to us as human beings, as people, as those who experience emotions from the, the good, the bad, and the ugly? And so if I if I write something, I want somebody to, to feel like this is possible for them, right? For, for the whole, all of the areas that I write about in Scotland, I am writing as if I am some sort of travel log uh, um, uh, marketer being like, come to Scotland. Oh my God, you have to taste this. Mm. You have to see this. You have to hear this. And and I, I want very, very badly to share that experience with everybody who hasn't. And if they can't do it in person, then they can do it via my, my experiences, which could very well be their experiences. But to make that, you know, uniformly shared, I think is really uh, really important. So yes, I think Scotland has absolutely made me who I am today. There's been so many pivotal moments uh, I have experienced of, you know, like, like stone markers of growth throughout my whole life. Uh, I, I mean, I've been back and forth there for the last 30 years. It's a big chunk of my life. And, and I think that it, it was uh, one of those one of those pivotal moments was was recognizing just how stubborn an individual I am. When I when I come to experience something for the first time, I'm really quick to be judgy and be like, it's either good or bad, or mm. you know, it's for mm. me or it's not for me. This is my clan or these people are foreign. And uh, I am always reminded in Scotland how wrong I am yeah. <laughs> by being that way. <laughs> like, it is such an, an embarrassing, you know, very... Uh, moments where I'm filled with humility of, of just learning that I have got to step back from that uh, reactionary kind of experience and be much more of a, like, take it in, absorb it, uh, and, and then carefully respond to it uh, as, as it's happening. And I can think about it for a little bit. So I, I think in Scotland, all the places that I went to, I, I really can't think of very many places in Scotland that I have been to that I would not want to set up a, a small um, crofter's cottage and just live there. Yeah, you know, there's just so many, so many beautiful places. Oh my god! Whether it's in the city or it's in in you know the the, the woodland areas or in the mountains or on an island, 
Uh, I love the rain. I love the fact that it is misting there a good chunk of the time. It's very agreeable to me. I'm from Wisconsin. We're used to, you know, fairly miserable weather uh, for most of the time. So it's not like that was a big shock to my system, but it was the people I think that were so resonating um, that convinced me they, they were very similar to the people I grew up with in Wisconsin. They had that same sort of dry sense of humor, very witty, very sharp, uh, very drawl. Um, and they cared about their family and they cared about their, their village, their small clan and the people who they interacted with every day. And, I, and they looked out for one another and they were merciless with their taunting and teasing and you know just uh, finding all of your weak spots. And, and they were great storytellers. They are great storytellers. So anytime I'm, you know, in in the presence of a of a Scotsman or a Scotswoman, uh, I am ready to settle in for a good long yes. yarn and enjoy myself. So yes. it appeals to me. I think it would appeal to a lot of people. There, it's a beautiful culture and a beautiful, you know, beautiful people. I think, you know, I, I bring this up a lot. It's my personal hero in the whiskey world is Jim McEwen, and I had the you know, Brooke Laddie and uh, Bo Moore um, and many others, but um, had the opportunity to interview Jim. I was, we were his last interview, actually, which was very special, but he was all of those things in, into his 70s, and the man can't retire. It's no su- There's no such thing as retiring since he was a little boy skipping school to go sweep, you know, peat floors, um, grain floors, and to mm-hmm. now he's like, well, I'm retiring, but I'm going to consult and then the last thing I heard was he's actually making they can't make he's making gin and he's right back to it. But in his head, he's not working. It's different. And they have they have this thing about work. I also met a Cooper who was a Cooper in his head. He didn't do anything special. He was just a Cooper. He's been doing it. His father did it. And, you know, years before that. But they're so passionate about what they do. And it means something. And I not to get too deep, but I mean, Literally, they were so passionate about what they do. That's where last names kind of come from. You know what I mean? You were so in, you were so into what you did that you were a Smith son. You know what I mean? And you just became Bobby Smith because that's what your family did. That's what I was good at. That's how I made my living. I'm a Smith. You know. And I think we've gotten away from that where we don't want to be defined by our work. And I think that's sad because I think work can be a definition of ourselves and who we are and and everything i'm, I'm going off on a on a rant and i don't want to do that because i want to talk more about you and how cool and important you are um and and i want to reflect my ego and uh you know give it more back give it more to you Haida, how would you pronounce this g-l-e-n-a-l-l-a-c-h-i-e glenna <laughs> I pronounce that delicious, or Glen Alecky. Okay. Right? Single malt scotch whiskey from Speyside. Okay. The distillery's been around since 1967, but only available as a single malt since 2018. Uh-huh. And the whiskeys are designed by Billy Walker. What? Yeah. Talk to me more. Yeah, I know, because you, you have no idea who Billy Walker is. No. But the Cast Chasers podcast fan base do. Okay. He was the gentleman behind Glendronach Distillery, Ben Riach, Glen Glassa. I should be excited right now. You should be. If you're a whiskey fan, you should be super excited. Big, fruity, heavy, sherried whiskeys, just glorious stuff. 
Yep, Glenallocky. That's okay. how you pronounce it. Okay, Glenallocky. Right. Glenallocky. Okay. Impex Beverages. Yes. Guess what we are? Uh, I don't know. Proud sponsors of the Cast Chasers podcast. Right. Yes. Um, you sent me two bottles of whiskey, um, which is how you become my best friend, listeners. That's right. Yep. I know that. Yep. Yep. Because um, when you get sent stuff, you immediately are that person's friend. You sent me the Hunter Scott, which is one of my favorites from Reservoir for two reasons. A, it's just delicious on its own. And B, it's um, it's it's a cocktail master, um, in my opinion. Um, it, it does such a great job because it, it imparts so many delicious flavors. Second is you uh, the the rye um, whiskey, which is where I actually fifty percent. Um, it's a fifty percent hundred proof, which is kind of a reservoir thing, uh, which I appreciate. The rye is where I fell in love with rye was reservoir. So I actually have a very cool connection with reservoir because of that. Um, the bottles really? are, yeah, that's where my, I hated rye until Reservoir. That's the honest to God, 100% truth. We blended with Jay. Um, we said no rye. Aaron and I both hate rye, hated rye, and then we made a high rye. Um, it was just, I learned, <laughs> well, what I did was I learned how rye works. And then I appreciated it because I learned that rye is a bitch to work with. It gunks up your machines. Oh, it's a night, yeah. right? So, I kind of respect it a little more, like it's an asshole, and I like was like, okay, Rye, I see you. You 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 have to be earned, you know. If you want to work with Rye, you, you got to earn it. And I yeah, don't know, maybe that's twice helped. as expensive. It's twice as expensive to any other grain, and you produce forty percent less of less of its yield. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a, it's a wretched thing, and it and it does just it's wrecks your. It's you have to spend so much time cleaning up after yeah. it, but the proof is in the pudding, right? I and mean, it's just it's a beautiful. Very complex green. Yeah. If you were at my, you know, if we had a, my wife and I renewed our vows and we, you wrote or you were the speaker, you could say that same sentence um, uh, for, for me, for her. You know, he just wrecks everything. But really, if you really give him time, the yield is minimal. <laughs> but if you really, it's very spicy. <laughs> but, if, you know, but what it gives you, it's. It's worth it. So I actually, I feel like I can relate to rye. So that's, I kind of mentally, as you can speak to more than I probably can, whiskey along with other things, it's a lot of psychology. You know, you taste what you know, what you think, how you feel in the moment. You know, if I shared a dram with you and we had a great conversation, that would become, you know, honestly, these two, the the, the Hunter Scott, which is the most afford, one of the more affordable ones, I think, in the line. Um for the listeners, easily obtainable, and of course the regular reservoir rye, the the hunter proof, um, they're going to mean more to me now. They're going to taste more because I've spoken with you, a true ambassador. You've sent them to me. I've read your book. There's just something now tied to it that's going to make it taste even better and more be more important. But can you talk to us a little bit about? We're going to get into the book because I really want to dig into that yeah. and help you. Um, not that you need my help because it's a gorgeous book, but I want to chat about the whiskey a little bit because you've given yeah. them your time and effort. Talk to me about Reservoir. Yeah. What does it mean? It's what is all so, of it? <laughs> what is all of it? Um, <laughs> Reservoir is, uh, God, it's such a wonderful, wonderful uh, place to work as far as, you know, uniqueness in its, in its approach to um, crafting 
a whiskey or crafting many different whiskeys. The, the, the founding three, we, we do things a little bit differently than a, than a, a bunch of our, our distilling friends in that we create three 100% single grain whiskeys, right? So it's, we do 100% wheat, 100% corn, that's our bourbon and 100% rye. And, and we do this for, for myriad reasons, but um, specifically what I, I, I like to tell people is that it gives you an opportunity to taste what that pure grain is like. And then most importantly, whether or not that, that grain appeals to your palate. Because of course, you know, when you're talking about like like bourbons or rice, uh, typically you've got a, a mash bill that is a combination of different grains um, in order to create this very specific flavor profile. So um, you, you tend not to find whiskeys as just that single grain. And so it's hard for people to pick out oh, what does wheat taste like? Or do I actually mm. like rye? Or, you know, is corn too sweet for me? That sort of thing. Um, so it, it gives you that that sort of moment of self-education, which I adore because, uh, you know, I really love single grain, uh, sing, uh, malted uh, barley, that, that uh, mm. single malt scotch is what I cut my teeth on. So I like tasting a grain by itself. And then um, moving up to seeing if I can't recognize it in a blend. It's just sort of like a, a little little uh, palate quiz. I think that's great fun. But it, of course, you know, then the, it complicates matters when you're talking about grains from different parts of, of the world, right? Which is even more exciting that you can see what the heritage grains taste like or the ancient grains are, are their, their flavors. You know, what does it taste like on different latitudes of uh, of our earth uh, as each one of these grains are being grown and experiencing different climates. So all of that stuff is just really, really fun uh, for my tongue. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, they just, they don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. So that's us giving you a moment to think about it and have some fun with it. Um, and then, you know, we have, uh, I mean, once you, once you have those three, those three single grains, you can play master blender and mix and match create your own your own uh recipe blend your own mash bill of you know just about anything that you like uh which is really cool I, we once had a mathematician who figured out just how many variations one can create with just those three single grains and i think the number was you know something that had 22 commas in it or something but wow you know, that is hard. yeah um, but, it's pretty impressive, but the uh, the Hunter and Scott bourbon that is our that's our secondary line. That's our you know our volume. That's we do it with cocktails, or it's like an everyday mm -hmm. kind of a of mm -hmm. a bourbon, which is a blend. And this is a brand new blend that literally is just now hitting uh, the store shelves because uh, our our past uh, Hunter and Scott bourbon we just couldn't keep up with the volume we weren't making enough of it we're too small of a distillery so um we have joined forces and are now doing what i refer to like well, actually i refer to this as the triple tipple um because <laughs> uh, and that name came to me from dave shurik he let mm. me steal that he's the one who created it but um uh it is a combination of our virginia barrels and kentucky barrels and indiana barrels so we're making a lot more volume of this but it's a four grain so we've got mm. 69 corn uh 14 wheat 14 rye and three percent barley but it is so blissful uh on its own or used as a cocktail and you know like you mentioned before it's just it's it's supposed to be our affordable line and uh and sort of highlight the flavors of these three different appellations. 
drop the lid, which is less attractive than popping the cork when the lid hits the floor versus when the cork pops. (laughs) They're two different sounds that you can experience from. Um, No, it's, 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 they're all amazing, but I like a whiskey that I'm not afraid to cocktail with. And I'm not afraid to cocktail with any whiskey. And I'm, I'm thankful, and I don't mean this to sound arrogant. I'm very thankful we're in a position where we get a lot of whiskey sent to us. So I, I'm able to experience and experiment a little more um, because of everything. But I, I don't think you should be scared to mix with any whiskey. But there are some whiskeys. I have a Highland Park 25, 2018 release, right? That's a scary whiskey to mix with. Have I done it? Yeah, because again, I live in chaos. But um, you, you don't. <laughs> but you do want a whiskey that you're not afraid to mix with. But you know, as Freddie No says, it's okay to mix. You should mix. You should have cocktails, but you should respect the ingredient. Um, and so, don't use necessarily cheap whiskey. Because you want a delicious cocktail, right? So decent, good whiskey. And Hunter, the Hunter Scott, this is my second bottle. Um, the I've paid for none. Um, thank you again. <laughs> but um, um, I'll pay in another way, somehow, somehow, some way I'll pay for it. But um, whether it's negative or not. So let's go back to the book real quick. <laughs> yeah, right. So my kneecaps, I don't know, something will happen. Um, so... I hate this part of the conversation. It's, but I, I feel like it, it as an interviewer, it's one of those conversations. Now I'm going to ask you a question that you've been asked before and you probably hate, but I think it's important. Um, and you do talk about it a little bit in the book. Um, you're a woman in the whiskey world. You know what I mean? Um, I see the pangs and, and frustrations that my wife goes through. And my wife is a whiskey genius and she suffers these stupid scenarios because people assume you've written about it in your book a little bit. Um, you know, I'm sure the term little lady has been thrown around too much in your life. It's annoying. It's, it's aggressive. It's stupid. I, I come from, I'm from Texas and I'm a former Marine. So I have seen, unfortunately in my own life and regrettably, hopefully, I don't know, I don't think I've ever been a part, maybe on accident. I don't know. But if I have, I apologize to all those people that I've harmed in the making of my life. But can you talk a little bit about that nonsense in the best way you can? And on behalf of all men, um, we, we suck. So sorry about that. <laughs> well, I would say uh, that my opinion of all men now has greatly shifted uh, from what it was, you know, 25 years ago when I was, you know, desperately trying to satiate my curiosity about, uh, about this beautiful spirit. And, and it wasn't necessarily that I was being locked out of something because I was a woman. The, the problems I was coming up, uh, against was that I was locked out of this information because it was befuddling to the to my counterparts as to why I wanted it. They just, mm. they they could not understand what I would find use for it for. Mm. Therefore, why expend any energy, you know, you sort of handing that over. And, and I have said this a thousand times to people who have asked about it. It's the fact that you are passionate about something, right? That seems to win people over, that seems to, to um, convince them that you're there for a reason that might be worthwhile their time. Uh, and, and 
as a woman in this industry, it was very difficult in the beginning to be taken seriously as uh, someone who wanted to work within it or, you know, write about it or learn uh, about it and, and, uh, uh, and, and do internships within it, that sort of thing. It was just, it, it was competitive from the perspective that, you know, this is a, a, a fairly male dominated, fairly white male dominated uh, industry. And that ship took a long time to kind of shift directions. And it's because of a, a lot of very, very determined women uh, around the world who left their mark, right? Who, who were talented, who were educated, who were curious and absolutely determined uh, in order to, to bring about new stories, in order to bring about new, new ways of, of thinking about this, this industry, thinking about spirits, thinking about the fact that there's still 50% of the population out there who uh, is rather untapped mm. and therefore could be utilized as like, here, join the club, right? Yeah. Why would you exclude 50% of the population? You know, certainly from a distillery's um, bottom line perspective, if you could be capturing that, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that women might have a, a, a slightly uh, larger edge as to what it is that women like, you might want to ask them before, you know, marketing to them, or you might want to ask them or have them join in the team in order to, you know, create something that would be appealing to them. So, uh, you know, whether we're, we're talking about Rachel Berry, who's, you know, just an absolute legend. monster in, yeah. in the industry, or, or Jill Jones, who's on the executive side of, of, uh, of Brown Foreman, um, you know, more of my heroes, like, good Lord, uh, uh, Nancy Fraley is a woman, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, yes. but she's more, yeah, okay, so Nancy yeah. Fraley, for people who don't know who she is, you know, is, is uh, she's just got one of the best noses in the whole business travels around the world, basically visits distillery to tell them where they have made a grave and expensive mistake. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm sure most people are like really excited to see her, relieved to find out what's the matter with what's gone wrong. Um, but then they're also, you know, devastated with like, oh shit, we've, we've created yeah. uh, something that's irretrievable. Um, there, there's a girl uh, in Scotland at the moment who I think so highly of, her name is, uh, Jacine Rudasiqua, I think. I could be mispronouncing her name. I've never met her, but we've, we've spoken um, just via email and whatnot. And she is the, the founder of a Scottish rum distillery. Uh, and I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally slaughter the name. I think it's pronounced Mutaga mm. um, or something like that, Mutaga. But uh, she's, she's basically doing like a, a, a sugarcane, uh, like a, a cane to cask kind of distillery yeah. there. And she's enriching the livelihood of East Africans, uh, specifically in Uganda, by utilizing their sugarcane plantations. So I, I, I love stories like that. I'm so enamored by people who are innovative and, you know, determined to not only make a great product, but also make a, you know, leave their thumbprint uh, behind with yeah. doing something great alongside. Well so in our distillery here at Reservoir, I feel exceptionally lucky that the the guy who's you know the founder uh, Dave Cutno and uh, and CEO he is what I refer to as 
gender blind, but talent driven. And he finds people who are right for the position. So we have a head distiller, Mary Allison. She's female, right? Yeah. She's make, making kick-ass whiskey. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. We've got two women in the executive positions. It's just, it's not a matter of, oh, I have a certain amount of women that I have to hire in order to look like I'm you know, being competitive in that market or I'm being caring in that market. He really, really, really cares about just finding the right person and uh, it doesn't matter where you fit on that spectrum. I, are you right for the job? I, and I, I don't want this to sound placating because that's not my goal. And I don't know that I consider myself, you know, uh, a feminist or anything like that. I'm, I'm just, I, I want people. I understand and I recognize the people in this industry and this, in this field and this world. And I've heard the conversations, you know, specifically among men and how they see women and how they treat them in liquor stores. And it irks me. And I'm not, again, this is not placating, but some of my famous or favorite people and the best people in the whiskey industry, in my opinion, have consistently been women. Um, and when people challenge that, I mean, the list is Samantha Montgomery from Bardstown, um, Beth Burroughs from um, from um, um, Beam Centauri, um, Ista Phillips, an all, almost all-female uh, team at Penderin. Um, I mean, the the legend, the legend her, her, herself, Peggy No Stevens, who is probably one of the most amazing first woman um, uh, master blender, a master master taster in in the world, as far as I know. Um, I mean, the list is, you know, Avalon Unahas from Catoctin Creek, you, um, author and, and from Reservoir. These these are these are some of my favorite interviews and some of the best knowledge that I've that I can I, I've learned more. And it's ironic to me that women get the slight my wife, Dana Bird. Um, I, I learn more from from these women who who really are passionate and artistic. I mean, the entire team of Penderin was all women, and that was an accident. Um, somebody was interviewing them, and they said, oh, it's amazing you have a full woman, you know, full female team. And he looks back, it was Dr. Swan, you know, the, you know, before he passed away, and he looked back and he said, oh, I guess they are. We just hired the best people for that. It wasn't even on their radar that they were women. They were just <laughs> the ones that passed the test and then did the yeah. best job. So kudos to you for, you know, stepping, you are the most impressive introvert I've met so far. And I want to say, you know, um, kudos <laughs> to you that um, I, I, I'm calling you on your bullshit. If you if I think we're friendly enough now that I can say that you are not an introvert, you are a rock star. And uh, no, but I'm seriously, the book is amazing. The whiskey is fantastic. Um, this is a you are a human being that truly knows and you can learn if you are interested listeners in if you, and you trust me because you keep downloading I see the downloads so I know you trust me or you're psychopaths and you're stalking me both are cool both are fine I can live with both I'm you know I don't I don't mind um, but if you're while you're stalking while you're waiting in the car watching me with your binoculars um, make sure you're reading this book it's excellent it is absolutely it's passion it's it's the the same journey we all take in some form and it evolves into a really a master class in what whiskey is and what it's supposed to be and why the whole thing is worth writing about in the first place 
Shelly, thank you so, so much for coming. I could talk to you for literally hours. I just don't have the bandwidth. I don't want to piss my editing team off by uh, <laughs> handing them over a 400 megabyte. Uh, I don't, is that big? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a nerd like that. So, but anyway, <laughs> God bless our nerds. You're welcome. Yeah. Shelly, can you give us a, where can we follow you, find you, see you, learn about you? Where can, you know, where are you? Where, who, who, who are you? Where? <laughs> you you can uh, uh, read more of my drivel uh, on my website, which is ShellySackier.com. Super simple. Uh, you can follow Reservoir and all of our, we're calling it the book and bottle tour. So we, we are uh, doing this whole thing during the summer and for the fall and whatnot and winter. And if you want us to come to your town, uh, you can go to ReservoirDistillery.com. And we've got connections and stuff like that for you to reach out to if you want to do an interview or you want us to come do a part of our our dog and pony show uh we are so so happy uh, to do that as well because you know we love what we do and um and it has on the website the tour dates where we are at the moment where we're going where we're heading if you know you just want to come tag along and go to a bookstore or a pub or something like that and uh and not be in charge of the event. You can do that too. Yeah. 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 I want to sit back in the background and just drink and listen. Shelly, thank you so much. You've been excellent. And I, I hope, I hope we can hang out again in the future. And, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to read the book, you know, while I'm falling asleep to my wife and I over the phone, that's fine too. You know, whatever. It's just, is there an audio you over is what's that? Yeah. I do all the accents. Yeah. Yes. When, I, when I'm when we're doing uh, the tour, I read a chapter. And yes. so I have like five different accents that I have to do. They're all the UK accents. I have practiced my whole life. So you can see, so there is a, there's a, I'll call it a scene in the book. Um, and it's, it, it's first off, it's a hilarious book too. It's funny. You're going to laugh. She's, she's, you are very funny. Um, and witty. Um, there's a, and I, now that you say you do the accents, I have to hear it, but, uh, at a later date, at a later date, but there's a little clip I have where it's, um, she's showing up at a distillery. I don't remember which one, but it's something along the lines of, um, I'm here for the, uh, and you're, and he stops and he says the tour. And you say, no, the, and then he says, the gift shop. And then you're like, no, I mean, and you keep going down this list of what you're here for. And he keeps assuming what you're there for. She was there to learn about whiskey, folks. You know, full yeah, spoiler. Yeah, that was a flotty. Yeah, yeah. So um, with accent and all, I would love to hear that one day. So hopefully we can do this again. Um, I look forward to, to yeah, I look forward to more stuff from you, more content, no pressure, but you're awesome. Now you can't stop because (laughs) I have, I have one more question before we go. Okay. Are you ready? I I told you I wouldn't Mm -hmm. put you on the spot, but maybe I am back in the day. There was a satellite sent out in outer space. And on that satellite, there was a uh, record of some music, um, some certain noises, some writing, some poetry. And the idea was that if the satellite was ever captured, um, you may know of it. If it was ever captured by an alien species, it would explain who we are as a human race. Shelly, if you had to send two bottles of whiskey into outer space for an alien to capture and to really determine and to explain who we are as a people, what two bottles would those be? Um, well, I have full I, editing power, so take your time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so often my, you know, my favorite whiskeys or what defines me at the moment is based on on uh, that's uh, like my hormone level or the weather outside. 
<laughs> I've never heard hormone level before. That's good. That's good. <laughs> you know, women who are menopausal, we all understand that kind of a thing. We're like, today I'm just going to kill everyone. Or like, this is a super shiny, fucking fantastic yeah. day. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So uh, we, we just, uh, we, we, uh, we just move forward and apologize later with sure. all of that stuff. But I'd have to say today, if it were, uh, if, if I had to, and my daughter, by the way, works for NASA. So oh, uh, brilliant. Record, and I'm, I'm desperately trying to get a couple of bottles onto the uh, Mars sample return sender, which is what she's yes. working on, you know, bringing those rocks back from Mars. Uh, and we'll see if I'm lucky enough to strap something to one of the rockets. But um we i would have to say it would be the two bottles i would send uh up in into space the two bottles that i would send uh in to explain uh just how me as a human thinks and tastes uh would be uh brucholati's octomore one of its earlier versions uh which is um leaning a little bit more on the phenolic side like i don't know i think it had like 200 ppms mm. on the label not that that's reflective of how peaty it is but um but definitely, it you know it'll scrape the tartar off your teeth, yes. and that's great. I I'm not a big fan of my dentist, and if I can extend that like annual cleaning, awesome. Um, so that Brucolati Octomore, and then um, the other one is a, a whiskey that I can't get enough of. It's one that that Reservoir is making at the moment, and we we have this series called the Holland's Ghost yes. series, which I just love and um there's one of the three in that holland's ghost series is called the milkman yeah. so it's a it's a blend that we do it's all you know reservoir juice and whatnot but we do 70 corn 15 wheat 15 rye and it's all all matured beforehand that we we uh we post distillation blend it and then we put it into a milk stout cask yeah. uh from one of our our local guys here ardent brewery and uh we just finish that guy for we let it sleep for another 18 to two uh, 18 months to two years and it comes out and oh good lord it is just heaven i i you know that is a whiskey i would never cocktail i would just always yeah. always tiny dram I, I have yet to have it and i can't find it um so right you, i'm looking at it, you holding it it's listeners she's a she's a terrorist she she's a she's a um no that is the i the i could not the octomore says so much about us as a species delicious fruity aggressive loud smoky hot warm yeah. cold it's all of those things yeah, yeah no it, it is, is it is a definite um uh dissonance of uh of 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 mentality so no i i i, I love the way you describe that yeah. the dissonance because as a musician you know my my background is composition and arrangement mm. and i am so drawn to things that don't fit together yes. and do fit together they're like a walking dichotomy so that is how I it doesn't make sense and it's loud and it's also fun and it is you know what it is Shelly, it's a it's it's an extrovert that likes to pretend it's an introvert. <laughs> well played, Bobby. Yes, yes. <laughs> Shelly, you have been you have been amazing, and uh, again, I, I look forward to this. Thank you so so much. And uh, Chasers, again, if you're uh, if you haven't already picked up her book, make it a double. You better. 
um, or I'll come to your house. I'll find you, all 50-plus thousand of you. I'll come there, even you in Chile. Thank you for making us your number one podcast in Chile for some reason. Uh, I love you all. I don't know how to say that in Chilean, but... You know, you'll figure it out. Um, you listen, so obviously you figure it out on your own. But uh, no, make it a double. Reservoir is her uh, is her distillery. It's amazing Virginia whiskey. Uh, Virginia knows rye, um, but they know other things too. Um, easy to find whiskeys. I've seen them everywhere. And if you can't find them, feel free to reach out to us or Reservoir, and they'll help you out. Um, other than that, Shelly, cheers. You have been brilliant, lovely, and everything in between. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to the next time. Wonderful. Slanjava. Slanjava. All right, Chasers. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Please follow us on Instagram at Cast Chasers, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also visit our website for more content and merchandise at www.castchasers.org. Thank you again for listening. And remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase.